What does the Lord require of you? That's as plain a question as you can get and as straight an answer. Here's the answer. To do justly and to love mercy. Not just to do mercy, but to love it. To long for more of it, to get as much of it as you possibly can, to pour it out. And in this way, to be one who walks humbly with your God. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I'm sure that many recognize that verse there, Micah 6, 8, that we're to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And so often, a pastor will tend to focus on that first part, to act justly. But today, we're looking at that second section there, to love mercy. Yeah, and they're all important. And the reason that we're looking at the second part is that we're in the Beatitudes, where Jesus speaks about, blessed are the merciful. And that ties right into loving mercy. It's very significant to me. It's not just doing mercy or um, showing mercy. It's loving it. It's going after it. And as I've tried to reflect on, well, what does that mean? What does it look like in a practical way? Um, We're going to identify seven opportunities for manifesting mercy in the message today. Because if I'm going to love mercy, I'm going to actually look for opportunities to show it. And there are opportunities around you for showing mercy today. Let's get our eyes open so that we're going to see them and loving mercy to actually pursue them and do them. Well, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Hope you open your Bible and join us there as we continue the message, Blessed are the merciful. Here's Pastor Colin. What is the point of the Christian life? What does the church exist for? What does the world exist for? Why did God create the world? Let's ask the biggest possible question. What's life? What's anything for? And the answer is this, the ultimate answer, that God is in the business of multiplying the image that He loves. He has one Son, an only begotten Son, the image of the Father. And loving that image, the Almighty seeks to multiply it that Christ might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, that there would be those who share the likeness of Christ and therefore bring joy and glory to the heart of God for all eternity. That's the very purpose for which the world was made. And that is the ultimate good for which God is always working in the life of every Christian believer. And because mercy is at the heart of God, mercy is at the very heart of what God is seeking to reproduce in the lives of us who are His people, united in the bonds of faith to Jesus Christ. And so, this again is written all over the Scripture, and I don't need to spend uh, time on it, but just to remind you of some of its clearest statements. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 what does the Lord require of you? That's as plain a question as you can get, and as straight an answer. Here's the answer, to do justly and to love mercy. Not just to do mercy, but to love it, to long for more of it, to get as much of it as you possibly can, to pour it out, and in this way to be one who walks humbly with your God. Remember Jesus speaking to some very pious and religious people who Uh, were responsible in different ways for the structures of religious life. And Jesus said to them, go learn what this means, that God says, I desire mercy, not 
sacrifice. So Christ calls us to, to mercy. And think of the difference that it makes in a school. If there is one teacher who really cares about kids and seeks to do them good and really cares about other staff and seeks to do them good and really cares about those in management and seeks to do them good, you may be that teacher and you'll be a light. One person who brings mercy into a family, into a, a business, oh, how much good comes from this. Now, I want us to be very practical here in the last part of the message, and uh, for us to be looking, every one of us, including myself, for us to be looking for multiple opportunities to practice mercy in the next seven days. And I want to give to you seven opportunities for manifesting mercy. I want to keep this really practical, and we'll move through these quite quickly. Don't worry about a, a list at this stage. The end is nigh, and um, it will uh, come. But I want you to be looking with me for opportunities, multiple opportunities in the next seven days to practice mercy. So, here are seven. Number one, material needs. I'll give you a scripture for each. 1 John 3, 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, uh, how does God's love abide in him? So, we're back to this being a distinguishing mark of a true believer. The good Samaritan opened his heart, opened his heart, and out of opening his heart, did something to help. Sinclair Ferguson has a marvelous little comment on this. He says, uh, mercy is getting down on your hands and knees and doing something to restore dignity to someone whose life has been broken by sin. And then he says, the good Samaritan did not deal with the cause of the man's need by chasing the robbers. By the way, I hope someone did chase the robbers, and I hope he caught them. I'm glad for those whose job it is to chase the robbers, but that's not mercy, not dealing with the source of the problem. Then Sinclair Ferguson says this, nor did he complain about the failure of society to meet the man's need. Well, there are issues, aren't there, about the community and how we can be more effectively a community and all of that stuff, and I'm grateful for people who will address that, but that's not mercy. No, he says the Samaritan addressed the immediate need that was set before him, and he did what he could to bring relief. Now, I'm saying that there will be multiple opportunities for you and for me to do that this week. Some material need, and you can do something to help if you have a heart of compassion. So, watch for it, and let's do it. Let's practice mercy. Number two, spiritual struggles. Jude, verse 22, says this, "'Have mercy on those who doubt.'" Have mercy on those who doubt. Now, notice, doubting is not a material need. Mercy is not limited to material needs. Doubting is a spiritual need. It is a condition of heart in which a person is struggling in their faith. And uh, the Scripture is saying to us that in this situation, we must practice mercy. So, I want you to look out for a brother or a sister in Christ, known to you, who's struggling in their faith, and for you, like Christ, to be able to come alongside and in some way, a word, a card, I don't know what that's going to be, visit to, to strengthen them and to encourage them. It says of Jesus that when a, a reed is bruised, He doesn't break it. 
when a, a wick is beginning to go out, it's smoldering. He doesn't snuff it out. He blows the, on the flame. And David says in a wonderful phrase, it's in Psalm 18, he says to God, it is your gentleness that has made me great. Oh, God, if you had dealt with me in any other way but with this mercy, this gentleness, I, I just would have been blown away. But you've been so gentle with me over the years. That, David says, is what has brought me to the position that I'm in today. Your gentleness has made me great. And we need that towards one another in the body of Christ as one and another struggles, as all of us do at many times. And uh, I remember years ago, some things just stick with you and stay with you for a lifetime. Here's one of mine. I heard uh, Dr. Warren Wearsby back in England, and after his long years of marvelous ministry leadership, and he was asked in a, uh, a question and answer session, Dr. Wearsby, if you could have your whole life of ministry over again, what would you do different? And Wearsby said, I would do more to encourage God's people. That's what I'd do different. I'd do more to encourage God's people. And that's reflecting this. Have mercy towards those who doubt. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed are the Merciful, part of our series Momentum. Well, the series we're listening to on the radio has also been turned into a book. Pastor Colin has written Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And this is our thank you gift to you as you financially support the ministry this month. Find out more or give online at openthebible.org. That's openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. Number three, embarrassing failures. Embarrassing failures. Now here I'm thinking of 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 where we're told love covers a multitude of sins. Don't you love that scripture? Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, let me just say this to be clear, that Peter speaks about sins and not crimes, and there is an important difference. There are some things that should not be covered up and that must not be covered up, but what he is saying, what the Scripture is saying, is that there are a multitude of failings and sins and mess-ups that love can freely choose to cover over so that the embarrassment of a person who knows they have failed is spared and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is expressed. Spurgeon has a lovely way of putting this. He used this phrase very often, and I found it very helpful. He, he says, I quote, I recommend, brothers and sisters, that you always should have one blind eye and one deaf ear. Now, you see what he's saying? Uh, you, you'll hear things, and there's some things you say, let's, let's just move on from that. Let's, and you'll see some things, and love can cover over a multitude of things. And by the way, he does say one blind eye and one deaf ear, because in this fallen world, you need one good eye, and you, you need one good ear as well. But it's very interesting. I'm quoting him here. He says this, my blind eye is the best eye that I have, and my deaf ear is the best ear that I have. And he often spoke to his students who were training to be pastors about the importance of the blind eye and the deaf ear. And it was because of this principle 
that, you see, some people go through life and everything that happens, they live with all this tension, everything that happens has to be a big issue. Oh, there's a problem, you see. And what happens if you're like that is you become impossible to live with. There's no grace in you. You can't let anything go. Always picking on every little failure. This wasn't right, that wasn't right. And, and it's crushing to everybody who's around you. And if the fruit of mercy were to grow within you, there would be many things that you would say, you know, I can let that go. A merciful person often looks through his blind eye and listens through his deaf ear. And there is great wisdom in that. God does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He is merciful, and love covers a multitude of sins. This is why Christ went to the cross. Now, as you have received this, we're going to look at this more next week. He has treated you with such mercy. Now, how can you show this mercy to others? There's going to be someone this week, perhaps in your workplace, who messes up in one way or another, and he or she knows it, and they're embarrassed about it, and you could show mercy, and you could help to bless them, and they will be so grateful to you and so thankful that a reflection of Jesus Christ was shown to them in a harsh and an unforgiving world. Number four, slanderous gossip. Slanderous gossip. Now, here's a fourth area where we need to practice mercy. I'm thinking here of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, think about these things. Now, this is not an option. This is a command in the Scriptures. It's an instruction to every believer. Uh, not only am I to set my mind on things that are above, I am to set my mind on things that are good. And the merciful person forms the habit of thinking about good things. Now, Satan is the father of lies. He always manufactures because he's subtle. He is the master of the half-truth and the twisted truth and the distorted truth. And there are certainly some Christians who seem to be adept at helping him in all of this. And as we think about mercy, I want you to remember this. It is as bad to believe a lie as it is to tell one. And it is as bad to repeat a lie as it is to invent one. Folks, there is a harshness in our culture that makes it more and more and more and more and more difficult for anyone in any sphere, whether it be business or politics or any area of life, ever to lead. And too often what is characteristic of our destructive world can creep into the church in which Christ's people, think of it, form the habit of being quick to assume the worst and slow to think the best. And mercy would change that if there was an abundance of that fruit that was to flood the church in America. It would be a wonderful thing. It is so easy. Do you see this in your own soul? I see it in mine. It is so easy to slide into making much of other people's failings and little of their strengths. A merciful person always goes the other way. He or she will 
make more of a person's virtues than he or she does of their failings. And a merciful person will always close his or her ears to slander unless compelled to otherwise. Thomas Watson says this, a man's name is of more value to him than his goods are. And he who takes away the good name of another sins more against him than if he had taken all the corn out of his field or all the goods out of his shop. And you see, so many of us would say, well, I would never break into a person's shop and rob them of their goods. My goodness, I would never do that. But if you take away a person's good name by passing on a slander, you've done something worse. You really have. That's why Watson says we must not only not raise a false report, we must not take it up. And then he says this, one more quote. He says, you who take away the good name of another wound him in that which is most dear to him. Better take away a man's life than take away his name. It is an irreparable injury, for something of it will always remain. So, if you hear at some point in your work or whatever it's going to be, some juicy piece of gossip, you remember to honor Christ by practicing mercy. Number five, unreasonable expectations. Unreasonable expectations. Here's Psalm 103 and verse 14, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. God knows our frame, and He remembers that we are dust. I love that verse. Do you love that verse? I'm so glad. Thank you, Lord, that you remember that I'm dust. And what that means is, because I'm so grateful that for this, I must remember this in relation to others, what God remembers about me. I must not, therefore, make unreasonable expectations of my spouse or of my children or of others who work with me. I must learn not to be so surprised or so easily discouraged by disappointments. I must get beyond the kind of infantile thinking that assumes that because a person is a Christian that this means they're going to be a paragon of virtue at all times. I must think more about the weights and the burdens that other people bear that may be beyond anything that I bear, the strength of temptations that they may face that may be beyond anything that I have ever known. I must remember that they are dust because God remembers that about me, and that's part of what it means to practice mercy. Number six, personal injuries. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, there's the mercy word, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We'll come back to that, God willing, next week. But very simply, remember this and watch out for it. If someone has hurt you, wounded you, injured you, at some point in your life, God may very well put you in a position where you have the opportunity to get your own back. God may at some point put them under your power. And when that happens, what you do will be the most revealing thing about you. It happened to Joseph, you remember? Oh, his brothers beat him up so terribly and left him and then God raised him up. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt right next to the Pharaoh. The brothers end up coming in need. They end up coming to Joseph, and God gives these men into Joseph's hand. And what does Joseph do? He forgives them. 
mercy. And number seven, lost souls. Save others, Jude says, by snatching them from the fire, showing mercy mixed with fear. If you have mercy within your heart, you're going to talk to Christ a great deal about lost people, and you're going to talk to lost people a great deal about Jesus Christ, because according to the Scriptures, that is how they will be one to Christ and how people will come to Christ and how the work of Christ will advance. It's going to be through warm-hearted Christians who actually care that people are going to hell and want them to embrace and to see and experience the mercy, the love, and the life that is in Jesus Christ. And this Jesus Christ is reaching out to you in mercy today. And this is a Christ of whom you have no need to be afraid. You may be like Peter with a mess up. You may be like the prodigal son. You've been rebelling, and you're a long way away from God, even though you're in church. I'm saying to you, this is a Christ to whom you can come. It may be that someone here is so beaten, you're like that person on the road. It's, things have come against you and against you, and, and you, you find it difficult to trust now. And there you are lying in the road like that man on the Jericho Road. And if someone even comes towards you to try and help you, you're, you're, you're not sure because you think, maybe he's going to beat me up again. Don't let anybody near you. And I'm telling you, this is a Christ you can trust. He's merciful. And He's always merciful. His mercy is not for a moment. It is for a lifetime. And if you will come to Him, and if you will yield yourself to Him, and if you will ask Him to embrace you, He will embrace you in mercy and in His grace. You will be able to say along with every other person who has come to Him, surely goodness and mercy will follow me how long all the days of my life, the best and the worst, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed are the Merciful. And what a great look today at opportunities for manifesting mercy. I'm sure at least some of those seven you could resonate with. Maybe you want to go back and listen to this message again. You can always do that by coming to our website. It's openthebible.org. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, that's at openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program, but we want to send you a copy of Pastor Cullen's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. It's based on the series that we're listening to on the radio right now. But Colin, who is this book actually written for? Oh, well, this would be a book for everybody, because who doesn't want to be happy? Um, Jesus speaks about how to be blessed, how to have a happy life, how to be contented and how to find joy. I mean, who doesn't want that? But, you know, particularly in the Beatitudes that Jesus gives to us, he speaks to us about how we can find peace and joy, especially when we're struggling with sins that really bog us down. Hmm. And, you know, if you're struggling with something that you just feel you can't get over, well, the Beatitudes are for you because Jesus speaks here about how you can actually make progress in your Christian life. And, you know, for anyone, and this should be true of every Christian, for anyone who wants to grow in holiness, to be more like the Lord Jesus and to advance in the Christian life, 
the Beatitudes actually give us the way in which we can grow as Christian believers. That, to me, was the most exciting discovery about the Beatitudes when I studied them, and it's been a great blessing to me. It's a joy to share it in the radio program, and I'm so glad we have the opportunity of sharing it through the book. Well, we would love to send you a copy of the book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes, as you give a financial gift of any amount this month. You can find out more or give online when you come to openthebible.org or call us at 1-877-673-6365. That's 1-877-OPEN-365. Or again, our website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. The Bible tells us that we're to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Well, how does God forgive us? Find out next time on Open the Bible.